You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Uh, welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. And as part of the confusion that you might have with NFTs is this idea of like, what does the business model look like? Or even that, that question of what is it that we are replacing uh, with NFTs? Or maybe in some cases, it's, well, how do I think about NFTs beyond you know a baseball card or collecting art or even just like admission into an event or royalties. Well, I think part of this is actually into the conversation around the business model that is, you know, uh, NFTs as a whole, right? And where this all kind of uh, kind of fits in. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today, and really just the idea of like, what where do subscription models fit in? Where does online kind of like transactions matter? And you know, we have to ask that question. Like if in, if you sold out your NFT project or you bought an NFT project and every single person who bought theirs doesn't want to sell it, they love it, they want to hold on to it for forever. What does the project do from there? What is the what is the 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 next step? Because there's generating no secondary value. I might get into this conversation because I think there's something really interesting that we can kind of discuss and uh, you know we can ruminate on. But before we do that, of course, we have to give a shout out to our sponsor, Crypto Business Conference. Crypto Business Conference is happening in October. Uh, super excited to be out there in San Diego. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But it is for those that are looking to, look, to level up on all things Web3, creator coins, NFTs, metaverse, and much, much more. And Wanted to do a, a quick little throwback, and it kind of fits in today's topic. Back to July 9th, uh, it was mint number 240, and the name of the mint was the Nice Club. So, Nice Club NFT is their Twitter account, and this project was you know it was built by a an esports uh, brand, a br- esports brand that has been in the space for a while. They've built a uh, you know a powerful community and and group and. And really where they're looking at it was kind of like a, you know, not only are they funding the, the future esports kind of uh, community and, and a brand, you know, for merch and things that they go on, but really expanding the, the community's access to that, to what's happening in that esports space. And so I uh, really cool projects some great art. And uh, I will tell you a very uh, vibrant community that they've built inside uh, of their discord. So you know, with one of those things that being said, you know, the, the problem that, you know, if NFTs aren't generating royalties in the sense where you're not getting, you know, money or a percentage based on holding the NFT, there is something to be said. And I was thinking about this the other day because, you know, for those that have launched an NFT project, if someone comes up to you and is like, hey, I minted your NFT project, I haven't sold it, I haven't listed a single one of them, um, you know, since I, I bought it, I love what you're doing. Well, as the NFT founder, you're like, sweet, you know, we, we made, you know, whatever that mint price was, let's say it was 0.3 uh, Ethereum. 
and you have a very loyal fan, loyal customer uh, that's owning your NFT. Now, let me say the flip side of this, right? Someone that says, someone that says, hey, Brian, I loved, I bought your NFT, I minted it, but you know, I've, I've popped in and out a couple of times. I've actually sold it. You know, I bought a couple of them. I flipped it for a little bit of profit, but I, I, I've sold out of the project, but I just recently got back in. And when we look at their transactions, they've actually, you know, they, they had the same thing, right? Minted at 0.3 uh, Ethereum, but they've, they've actually done five transactions. And within that five transactions, they've generated 0.5 Ethereum worth of royalties towards, you know, the project founder through, you know, 10% or let's say 7% um, of those royalties going back to the project. So in a way, the less loyal person that bought in and sold and flipped and then bought back in, yet, you know, in this moment right now where you're going to deliver you your utility, the person that is, you know, and I say less loyal with air quotes, but like the person that has jumped in and out of your project and been here or there has actually generated your project and you as a business, you as a you know brand, more revenue than the most loyal person that's been there since day one. Well, that seems kind of ass backwards if you ask me. But then, you know, there's the different, you know, components of this, right? Because maybe you're doing airdrops um, of additional NFTs. Maybe the utility that you can provide um, someone to hold on um, is, is different. But once again, what's in it for that person that is your loyal person? And how do you continue to build a sustainable business model without it having to be, you know, the idea that there has to be a lot of secondary trade volume? And for me, this is interesting because, you know, I do think there's some different, um, you know, models when it comes to, you know, how we can build the, you know, our, our business case around uh, NFTs. And I will tell you, there's, there's the collectible um, component, right, where you're buying it as a collectible, much like a sporting good card or a beanie baby. Um, there's the experiences component where you're buying an NFT that unlocks um, different additional experiences. Now, some of those experiences could still require some financial obligation, but they maybe you get a discount, or maybe you only get access if you're um, inside, uh, you know, of those walls. Um, of course, the other one, of course, is that word access, right? You're using that NFT, and it's giving you some sort of access. And then, of course, I think of like the NFT art, right? And I think the NFT art component. I think it's different than the collectible side because I think in this case, you know, there is it's less about like the trading of it and more about like the holding of it. Uh, you know, like I, for one, you know, I've probably bought, I don't know, two dozen, um, one of one pieces from artists. Uh, and, uh, you want to know how many of those I've sold? Um, <laughs> zero. Uh, I've yet to sell uh, one of those pieces. I bought the art. I like the art. Um, I don't really have a motivation to sell at the moment. Um, and a couple of them have gone way up in value. Um, but for me, the, I mean, I still, the art hasn't changed. So I still love, you know, what the art provides. And then we have to think about like the community component, right? Which I think we often default a lot to here, where by holding that NFT, you get access to a community. But for anyone that's run a community, built a community, been a part of a community, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of resources um, to not only continue to nurture the community, but to onboard the community, to grow the community. And it also takes, um, you know, community is kind of like an ever-evolving thing, right? And so you really have to be able to um, adapt. And I think for a lot of community-based NFT projects, one of the big problems that they run into is that 
as the member demographic changes or what the members like to talk about or what the members are there for, right? Maybe you have four different things that attract people into your community, into your discord, whatever that may be. Well, what if, you know, the community starts off, everybody is in it for the game, right? We're all in it for the game. But then we realize you're launching a metaverse component, right? So some of the people that were in it for the game sell their NFT. And now you have a lot more people that are in it for the metaverse component. Well, what happens to that, you know, community dynamic? How do you continue to grow? How do you continue to foster um, this energy? And I will say, one of the things that, you know, is, is really interesting on this whole co- uh, concept is, and I've, and I've been saying this for a long time, is I believe one of the answers to this is actually the, the royalty component and royalties even more so than just kind of staking. And I know that's where staking kind of comes in, right? Where you're, you're rewarding someone for locking their NFT um, into a contract. And if you don't understand staking, we have a whole episode um, on staking here uh, with the podcast, but the, the bigger you know component of this that I think is really you know something we have to wrap our our minds around is there also is like where are you splitting those percentages and I'm gonna do an episode upcoming um, on on how a lot of projects break down their percentages between like um, you know how much do they share with their artist what how much do they share with their developer you know what about their co-founders what about their community manager all those type of things but I actually think one of the things that also exists, is that a lot of the royalty components exist through the marketplace. So you're also sharing 2.5% with OpenSea, right? So which is why, you know, I, I've, you know, one of my predictions earlier this year was that I believe a lot of projects are going to have to build their own marketplace within their, you know, website, within their, you know, uh, their own uh, community, because now they don't have to up the percentage fee, Right, they can still get the seven percent on secondary market, but two and a half percent of that doesn't have to to also go to OpenSea or to Coinbase NFT or to Looks Rare or to um, when you know any of the other ones that exist uh, from Jam uh, to any of those. And so, part of this conversation that you know I really wanted you know I've been trying to you know like the thing that I think is really interesting when it comes to just this whole component of, you know, NFTs and, and where all of these things go is that I will tell you that, you know, I do believe there has to be not only additional products and services, but a different additional revenue streams, additional value that can be provided. But I also believe we're going to have to take another look at like the quantity, right? Like how many of these that we are actually deploying out. And, and I will tell you a lot of the projects that I'm advising right now, uh, I like the idea of having Genesis or Founders collections where you initially drop 500 or 1,000 or 2,000 um, NFTs. And those are kind of like your OGs, your original gangsters. They're the, the ones that buy in with you um, out of the jump. But here's the part of the reason is most of the value I talk about with that is because they can help you market and sell and prove the concept. But the other part of it is it will also kind of incentivize those that are in there early because they believe to buy some additional ones, you know, after the, after the launch. And this is actually where for me, it's a, it's actually an interesting downside or an interesting byproduct is that, you know, I look at when I'm lo- trying to buy an NFT every single day, right? I'm looking at things like what are the total volume of sales, but I'm also looking at what are the number of unique wallets that are minting the NFT. And I will tell you, like, I believe the sweet spot 
is like that 40 to 70 uh, percent range, right? If there's 40 to 70 percent range, um, then I know there'll be a, enough people that are buying more than one, which means that the chance of them wanting to sell and kind of increase that volume and that virality um, is, is out there. But the other part of this is that like, I don't look at projects as saying, you know, 100% of the people are going to hold on to it. Therefore, there's not going to be um, any secondary royalties. But I actually think this is going to be one of those weird things that we're going to end up with is that for free projects, for en- projects that are dropping their uh, NFTs for free or close to free, there is a question at a time that says, how am I encouraging? What am I doing to encourage people to buy and sell? What am I doing to encourage people uh, to hold more than one? What am I doing uh, to encourage, you know, and, and this is where, and I hate to say it, but one of the things that I've always hated about, you know, kind of sales or marketing or even branding is the power of polarization, right? Where in some cases by you know, pissing off some of your owners by making a, a bold decision, well, you're going to generate... And, um, you know, a volume of people that are exiting, but also because you're being bold and you're being, you know, passionate about, you know, this other you know piece, you're probably going to attract new people into this space as well. And so I think that ever evolving strategy on how you grow, how do you, you know, not only how do you grow your business model, but I don't think the sustainable uh, play is keeping having derivatives, second, third, and fourth, fourth versions of the projects, right? And we can really blame Board Ape Yacht Club for that, right? For the most part, Board Ape, it came out with Board Ape Yacht Club. We have the Mutants, we have the Kennel Club, right? We have um, the other side, Deeds, of course. So we have the Ape Coin, um, and so like they've really, you know, maybe I'm missing one there, but there's five, you know, strong tent poles that they've rolled out. But you know, each one of them are. It's giving more people access into that community, but what are they getting with that access, right? And I think even with the most recent noise around uh, Moonbirds and with, you know, I did a whole episode on uh, the Creative Commons uh, license or Creative Commons Zero, the CC Zero. The reason that I also think there's a play for the having the CC Zero, right, removing the intellectual property rights is that even if you're launching merchandise, let's say merchandise, for those your NFT holders. Well, you know, let's say Board Ape Yacht Club, for example. Well, if you if you're not a Board Ape Yacht Club holder, right? You don't own a, a BAYC, are you gonna buy merchandise that has a BAYC on it? Like I I don't like for me, like I would buy if I owned one of the other side lands, I would probably buy an other side land merch, but I sure certainly would not buy Board Ape Yacht Club merch. And so this is one where I think we are in an interesting um, kind of scenario right now. Now, I will tell you, if you have a product like an online course or an in real life mastermind or um, and you have, you know, the ability that like, here's here's a great example. Maybe the NFT gets you into the VIP part of day one and day two. But if you want to be a part of the main event, which is the next three days, you still have to buy that ticket, right? Like, or maybe you get a discount on that ticket, but there's like, like there's an element there. The other part is where I think this is where earn to learn or yeah, (laughs) play to earn, learn to earn, um, engage to learn, or even listen to earn, um, can be one that I actually see as a model, uh, that makes sense. Right. And I think part of it that is going to be hard, and this is, I'm speaking from experience here is, you know, we launched, uh, the ADHD coin, uh, way back in uh, you know March of last year, so we're you know 19, 18 months into this journey. 
one of the things that I found that I didn't even realize was I also have to create a marketplace around the value of these ADHD coins. And so not only can people hold them and the value goes up, but they can you know, purchase them to get access to one of our master classes. They can use them to get exclusive uh, access to exclusive merch that, of course, they were going to still have to buy with either you know fiat or crypto. But the other part of it is the exchange amongst um, each other, and I and this is where I think ApeCoin is kind of setting the bar. And so I would just tell everybody that that is listening right now, look at what ApeCoin is doing outside of the Yugala Labs. Um, um, you know, ecosystem, right? Because there's a couple other projects. You know, I know uh, 10K TF, uh, TF had um, a project that they, ju- that they just announced with, uh, you know, they're giving away a lot of ApeCoin to their holders. The other part of that is, um, you know, like I look at this and I will tell you for part of our model is that, yes, I'm going to incentivize people to hold but part of the problem with, you know, like, and I've said this on the podcast as well, like I have a friend who, who has not sold, he, he got a board Ape Yacht Club, he got a Mutant, um, he got, uh, you know, he didn't get a Kennel Club, but he did get, or he sold his Kennel Club, but he didn't get, uh, he did get his other side deed. The funny thing about that is, although his, his whole collection is worth about a half a million dollars, what he's been able to take to the bank is only what he sold his board Ape Kennel Club for a while back. And so that's part of the, the, the dilemma here is that if all of the value is tied up in the actual holding of the NFTs and the only way you're going to actually realize that value, right, be able to, to spend it is if you sell it, you know, we're going to end up with some really interesting scenarios. And I saw a tweet today and someone said, you know, and I wanted to give the person a shout out, but I can't remember. I, didn't, I don't think I saved the tweet. Uh, but the tweet simply said, man, today was a tough day. I had to sell two of my favorite NFTs, but the beauty part of it is I was now able to put down a six-figure uh, deposit on my dream house, and I'll be able to much more afford my rent. And I read that, and I was like, man, how cool is that? But then I thought about it for a minute and said, well, how much does that suck? They had to sell one of their most you know, prized assets or the things that they like the most to to realize the value that it provides so that they can then, of course, do something in that component. And so there is something to be said about on both sides, right? If you, if you create an amazing NFT project and no one wants to sell it, the only money you're going to have to run that project is from those initial sales. And on the flip side of that is if you love a project and you hold on to it for, for life, when are you going to actually realize the re- that value, that return on that? And I know this isn't all about money. And, and most of you know, like the parts where NFTs excite me the most is actually separation of, you know, making money, uh, you know, the direct money value of, you know, the NFT collectible. I look at it more of having exclusive access, right? And it's much like, you know, it's that club. Like when you're in New York and they're like, oh, that club only allows 500 people to have access to that, you know, private membership and they each get to bring three people. Well, that value is in, is there every time I call out my friend and I'm like, hey, we're going to go to that club tonight? And he's like, yeah, I got you. Well, for them, that's the value, right? They're able, to, they're able to, to use that with me and they're building social equity. The likelihood of me doing business with them probably increases because they're, they're sharing in something that's exclusive that, they, that only they have, but I also get to participate in. But this is where I look at like fraternities, 
I look at associations, like I, I belong to the National Speakers Association, right? The National Speakers Association, you pay your, you know, your initial fee, but then you also pay yearly dues. And then you also have to pay when you attend the event. And you also have to pay to attend some of the special sessions. But you are you know, having that initial membership. So I, I do predict that we're going to see you know, additional, the models have to really um, increase here. And lastly, I'll just tell you, you know, someone asked me the other day, like, what do we need to see in this play in this space for mass adoption? And I don't like the idea of mass adoption. I would rather like I w- the question should be framed. If we want to grow this community or grow this, you know, this entire um, space to attract the right people, what are some of the things that we need to see happen to do that? And I will tell you the main one is successful use cases that aren't, you know, that, hey, you just had to get in there early. And what I mean by that is like, where are the use cases of projects that are either niche or unique? And it can't be just one or two, right? Like I can give you a gaming one, right? Axie Infinity, right? We can give you the, the, you know, the exclusive art PFP. We can go CryptoPunks. We can go, you know, the, the Apple of the, of this space. We can say it is the Yugla Labs uh, component. We could throw out, you know, the, the innovative, um, you know, forward-thinking project in Proof Collective and Moonbirds. But we need, we need multiples of all of those use cases so that we can relate them with more people, welcome more people in. And so, you know, this episode for me is just more about, like, let's start thinking about this, right, as a, you know, as a plan, not only for your own project, but remember, if you hold an NFT in a project, you are an owner. And in a way... I feel also that we have an obligation to come up with innovative and creative things to build upon it, right? I love the NFT projects that the that there are people that are owners of the project that are launching a podcast. There are people that are launching a brand and merchandise and they're, they're, they're building subsidiaries around that NFT collection because like I've said since day one, if this is a game, uh, if this is a, you know, a business model where we are giving ownership to those that have uh, that hold the NFT, it's up to all of us to figure out like, how do we build? What do we, what do we build? How do we generate revenue and how do we c- continue to create momentum? So we continue to thrive. And that could be something as simple as how do we increase demand while also increasing supply by either being polarizing, being very you know uh, definitive on what you're doing or in some cases, be very um, methodical with how you roll out new announcements. Because I could tell you, one could look at what Moonbirds has generated in secondary volume by coming out with kind of a polarizing uh, stance on, on removing the intellectual property. They made a lot of money over the last 72 hours just based on people buying and selling into that project. And really, did they change a whole lot? No. But they definitely generate some additional revenue to continue on doing what they want to do. And as we said at the beginning of the podcast, this is powered by the Crypto Business Podcast, Crypto Business, Crypto Business Comp Podcast. There is a Crypto Business Comp Podcast. It is uh, hosted by Michael Stelzner, but there is the Crypto Business Conference uh, that is ha- happening October 9th to the 11th in beautiful San Diego at the San Diego uh, Convention Hall. And you can simply just go to socialmediaexaminer.com slash NFT365. You can check out the tickets there. Um, you can also see, you know, uh, the amazing lineup. You know, it's really, you know, a lot of this is around the business case of 
Web3, as I kind of, uh, you know, shared with you here um, on the podcast. And, and it also means like, you know, applying what we're learning, right? The different ways that these are, are going to make you happen. And I will tell you, how do we get more use cases? How do we create innovative business cases? Well, we attend great events. We collaborate. We find ways to come together, co-create, co-learn, um, and ultimately uh, build with each other, not build on top of each other or continue to have to build in silos. But that's a whole other rant that I have for another day. Until tomorrow, my friends, make it a great day. Cheers. The Mint 365 Collection 100-Day Countdown is on. We're counting down to November 11th when we'll auction off all 365 NFTs as one collection, including a custom mosaic of all the art. Want to bid on this one-of-a-kind Web3 time capsule? For details, keep listening to NFT 365. If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review. Like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. We are greater than me, and as always, this show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research.